This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Paul with Nick Kearns for another episode of Talking Halos. Nick, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Derek. How are you doing? It's a wonderful day full of joy and cheer, unless I'm focusing on the angels and then I get sad. Oh, I know. I become a sad panda. I become a sad panda. I, but hey, you know what? To help us deal with this problem, this horrifying, scarring weekend of getting swept in Cleveland. We have with us Dan Garcia from the All Angels podcast. A little bit of a crossover action here. Dan, how you doing, man? Good. Very well. How about you guys? Doing awesome. Well, I'm depressed, really, honestly. I'm in the okay. Well, besides the obvious, I should have said, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so, an issue. This is our crossover episode, folks. Uh, later on, we'll have... Later on, we'll have Locked On Reds' Jeff Carr. He'll be here to preview the Cincinnati Reds series as if we really needed more torture. But before we even get there, we want to talk with Dan about the Cleveland series, where the Angels are going, and get knee-deep into the muck that is the Angels' 2019 season. Before we do, we do want to remind you that we are just getting started here. But if you like what we're doing, please check us out on Apple Music and subscribe. We would really also enjoy, appreciate even, a five-star review to help us move up the charts. If you want us to earn it, hey, that's great too. Email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com and give us your feedback. If you're a new listener and you're enjoying the show, we'd really appreciate you to say, text a fellow Angels fan, let them know about us. Oh, and one more thing. I don't know if you noticed it on Twitter, but we're running contests right now. We're giving away two tickets to the bobblehead game, the Mike Trout bobblehead game in September, September 13th, that is, against the Rays. All you got to do is go over to Apple Music, leave that review, that five-star review, and send us a email, a direct message, or me a direct message on Twitter, and just give it with a screenshot, and that will enter you in the contest. So there you go. All right. So here we go, guys. Oh, man. Cleveland series. I was there Saturday night. It was <laughs> painful, extremely painful. But, Dan, you are the guest here. We're going to focus in on you and, and really kind of get your thoughts. And Nick will fire some questions at you as well. 
the Angels ran to a buzzsaw. So what did you see about this Cleveland Indians team that made this series so difficult for the Angels? Well, I just think in general with the Angels right now is this, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but um, the emotional high of, of, you know, going on that little streak and everything that kind of went around that time with the Tyler, Tyler Skaggs, um, you know, death and everything where the guys were playing out of their mind. I honestly just kind of feel it's it's the bottom end coming out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I didn't see them performing that high, you know, that long. So when it came to, you know, even going back a little bit, the series with uh, uh, Baltimore and, and Detroit, I think that's when the bottom fell out. Now they're trying to regroup. But the sad part is now when they're trying to regroup, they're playing these teams like a Cleveland that are in serious playoff races that aren't going to be just some kind of easy pushover or, or guys that, you know, you can afford to have a slow start or even, you know, obviously with the Saturday game, like you said, um, you know, Pena, your starting pitching going down with what ended up being a torn ACL. Yeah, that's a horrible loss for the Angels with Pena. Yeah, and, and too, it just it shows that, you know, kind of a whole season kind of view at it, that the Angels' 25-man roster, I feel, coming into the season was a good roster. But once you start getting into the 40-man roster, that's where um, the other teams, I think, separated themselves from the Angels. And you're seeing it a lot now when they have to start calling up guys that um, aren't ready, super green, or just, you know, aren't that good. So I think with Cleveland being able to um, be competitive, make a deal, get a Yasiel Puig at the deadline, um, already have, you know, pretty good pitchers, even though they just traded one not too long ago, um, it shows their kind of their depth uh, organizationally compared to the Angels, uh, you know, comparing 40-man roster to 40-man roster. Yeah, I, I blame Baker Mayfield for that that Saturday game, by the way. <laughs> that was awesome. That was uh, – that was fun. <laughs> I was there to see that thing live, man. That place got jacked real quick. It's almost like they, those fans forgot that just a few years ago he was playing the Oklahoma flag in the middle of Columbus Stadium, Ohio Stadium. Hey, winning changes winning changes a lot, and and for the Browns, there's not a lot they're of that just, going on. So. Well, I, they're almost just as bad as the Bengals. I mean, which one's worse in the state of Ohio? Who the the Bengals and the Browns? Oh, the Browns are going to be really good this year, though. I mean, they, they're going to be they're going to be really good, especially once we get past week four. But hey, this is not a Browns podcast. I'm just saying, um, we can do that later. In terms of well, with May, with it was really funny with Mayfield later on. He's at this game, and the Indians they played "Hang On Sloopy," which is an Ohio State song, and you hear him going "O H I O," and I'm sitting there thinking they they. Really, they're not going to put that camera on him, are they? And they sure as heck didn't. They did not put the camera on him. And <laughs> <laughs> we never got to see his face when they played that song. All right, so here we are now. Pena is out, ACL. It's going to that's a roughly a yearish injury. Simmons is out. We don't know how long yet. Bard gets hit today, pulled from the game. Canning. I was wondering this when we saw Sandoval getting called up. Okay, what's wrong with Canning? So we now know is it. He's got elbow inflammation. Yes. How do the Angels manage with all these injuries? Uh, I mean, that's a great question. I think, honestly, at a certain point, you just have to let kind of like the younger guys, like the Sandoval's uh, pitch, let, you know, maybe they call up another couple young arms and kind of let them eat up innings, especially when the rosters um, expand in September. Um, you can see a lot of young, fresh arms and just kind of spread the load because right now um, when uh, Haney comes back, you don't want him to, you know, 
hurt himself again and be out for a long, significant time. Your canning's, you know, the future, so you don't want to overuse him there. Um, but, you know, other than that, I mean, maybe you lean on someone like a Cahill, even though no one likes him. But, I mean, let's be honest, he's here for one for the rest of the year, and then he's probably going to be gone. So if you use his arm up a little bit, um, that's not the worst thing in the world. But look at the guys like that where um, – who are your guys that you can depend on just to get through innings, you know, regardless if they're great innings or not, but you just at a point, certain point, you just need to get through games and get through, um, especially get to the September call-ups. So Dan, I got a question uh, with the lineup being a slope, what has happened to the normally potent angel lineup in the last 10 games or so? I, honestly, I just think it's like I said earlier, I think it's just kind of an emotional dump. I think this team has been through so much um, period. Like, regardless of wins or losses, it's just been through so much um, that there are going to be emotional ups. And there was, you know, the Dodger series, you know, the uh, when they're in Houston, when they were in uh, Dallas, uh, but now there's the bottom end of it comes out. So, um, you know, everything around, uh, revolves around Trout. So obviously if he's struggling a little bit, then everyone else, Otani struggling. Upton, everyone wants to give Upton a bunch of, you know, grief about it, but he's still kind of in his spring training to, you know, beginning of the month at bats. Like last time I looked at it, he only, he's only had a hundred and like 20 at bats this season. And that for a regular, you know, player, that's the first month of the season. So he's still trying to get his legs underneath him with, you know, for being out for most of the season. And then after that, like I said, it's just a lack of depth. Like you have good young players, but they're, like I said, they're young, they're green. They're not going to be consistent enough to where you, you can lean on those guys when a trout, when an Otani, when an Upton struggles, there's, there's not always going to be there. So I think it's a mixture of just certain guys pressing and then the other guys just maybe not being ready to, to, to carry that um, big load to be like the guy, you know, like Thais has had a couple great games, but when you don't get a game like that from them, then it's, it's, it, it just, it is what it is. It's, they struggle. So looking at this franchise overall and, I mean, putting most of the 2000s aside, would you consider this franchise at this point cursed or at least (laughs) after what we've seen happen with Tyler and all the injuries this year and players aren't working out? And we can go back deep into Angel Lore and Nick Adenhard and Donnie Moore and the bus bus accident outside of Baltimore years ago. The 95 season. What the heck, man? Yeah, yeah, it's just – if it's not one thing, it seems like it's another. And then when the team starts rolling, and then you have a Garrett Richards injury in in you know in Boston, and then you have like you said, just injury after injury. Whether it's a Tommy John from here, it's just, it seemed what was it, like two years ago. It seemed like every other week week you're hearing another pitcher on the staff or in the bullpen getting Tommy John. Um, yeah, it's just kind of crazy to see how how it's like he says, I think, I believe it's bad luck. Like, I don't know how else to do it because they've trained, they've changed trainers. They train like, you know, th- that part of the staff, I think within the last like three years. So it's, it's not even so much, you know, Oh, they're training them wrong, whatever. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's just like, it's bad luck. I don't know if it's a snake bitten. I don't know if, if the angel stadium is buried on some, you know, Indian graveyard that no one knows about or, or what, but yeah, it just, it just seems like it's a, a really snake pin kind of franchise right now and they're just trying to get out of it so i think voldemort's grave is below there bingo if my wife was here listening to it she would definitely agree with I, th- you. I, th- I think jimmy hoffa's buried underneath angel stadium but <laughs> they had the wrong coast oh my bad my bad anyways so uh <laughs> so dan what now where do the angels go from here do they tank it do they they try to compete what, what do you I, do I, from here? I don't know how much of it 
you want to tank because they are already so much in the middle. I mean, you can take all you want right now, and unless you lose every single game, you're probably not going to get to the level of the uh, the Marlins and 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 you know the Baltimore's like where they're getting like the top you know five picks are probably coming from those guys. I don't think you can you can get down there no matter how hard you tank. So you know I think this is a good time for you get some arms up there, get some guys up there, and just kind of see if they're ready. Some of those questionable guys like. Thice needs some more at-bats. Ward needs more at-bats to see what you have with these guys and if it's something that's going to be sustainable as far as they're going to be the starters going into spring training or if they're just pieces off the bench or pieces that could be moved because maybe another team sees something in them. But you need to get them out there. You need to get them at-bats. You need you get pitchers um, facing major league hitters. Um, I think, honestly, instead of t- going for like the quote-unquote tanking part, you kind of almost use it as a training seminar and just see who's out there and see who can do it. Um, but yeah, I just don't think tanking will do any good because you're not going to get low enough to make it kind of worth it because you're already, you know, a month left in the season or two months left in the season. So Dan, one last question. I know you've probably been asked a million times on your podcast. I'm going to ask you a million one times. Do you bring up Adele this season and let him get some at-bats so he can replace uh, our right fielder next year? Uh, um I honestly, I think I, the more and more I watch him, especially in Salt Lake, I think they'll bring him up, but I think they'll bring him up um, after the Salt Lake season, which is, I believe they're, they're finished September 2nd or 3rd is their last game. And I don't believe they're in a playoff contention this year. So I think you do that with the September call-ups. I don't think you bring him up any earlier than that because now he'll be sitting on the bench you know, maybe he'll play every third, fourth day. But if he's up in Salt Lake, he can play every day until that season's over. Then you bring him over to the Angels and you, um, like I said, give him at bats against major league caliber players, and you're not worried about um, cutting back his development because he's sitting on the bench. Because otherwise, he would be doing nothing if he didn't get brought up during the September. So, I think if they do, they're going to do it in September after the bees uh, season is over. And then, yeah, I think they should bring him up, and especially if if if. You know, Upton's struggling if there's another injury, if Calhoun is, you know, just needs some time off. But having him there, traveling with the big team, um, getting that part of the, the game down as far as how you prepare, how do you handle, you know, getting on a flight right after a game and going across country, or how do you uh, how do you do all that professional baseball stuff, I think would be a good point or a good uh, chance for him to do all that. See, I'm not sure that happens, man. And the whole I'm not sure it happens either, but I'm just saying if, if you're going to do it, that'll be the time to do it. I, I honestly think we should bring up Adele. I mean, I, I might be in the minority here, but to me, um, we got to start getting him some at-bats because next year he's going to be our, our starting right fielder. I don't see them keeping Cole Calhoun, especially not at, what, 14 to $17 million bucks. I, I mean, I like Cole, but he's not worth that much money. Sorry. You, yeah, but you got to understand something, too. It, it's – Really, question of how much are the Angels going to protect Joe Adele? How are they evaluating Calhoun, especially for one more year? And what are they valuing in terms of service time? That's what I'm trying to get at. If they call yeah. up now, you're starting a service meter now. If you wait until spring, then it's pushed back just a little bit. And if they wait a little bit longer, 
is push you know it gives them even more control. So there is some there are some stakes in holding back Joe Adele as long as they can. And maybe that means you exercise your club option on Cole Calhoun a little bit longer, kind of keep Joe Adele working into the lineup eventually before you fade Calhoun out after next season. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not even sure that's the right idea. I'm just thinking a little bit outside the box. Or no, I, I understand what you're saying, but like, and, and this is, I think that's a kind of an old school mentality about you know service time. But I think you noticed this year um, with Tatis and um, they brought up another kid, and uh, some teams aren't doing that pushback timing anymore because you got to figure, yeah, they get an extra year of them, but at the end of it, instead of trying to resign them when they're 20, you know, 27, 28, now you're going to resign them at 26 and maybe you'll still be able to get some good years out of them. So certain teams have dirt, certain uh, points of view on that. I just think if, if I was the GM, I probably would hold them back just because of that. Like, you know, Hey, you know, you did great, but we're going to go full go with you in, in spring and let you compete for that. But I, I honestly think they might just bring him up just because, you know, I, I just don't see the – I don't know. I'm torn on it. But if I were the GM, I would um, I would probably keep him down. But if, if they are, they're probably going to do it in September. I mean, if I'm the GM, I'm, I'm bringing him up next year. Next year he's my starting right fielder. But, you know, it's not – it just depends on where the Angels are viewing things right now. And quite frankly, we don't know. Belly Upper surprised surprise us numerous times. And, right. And in ways we don't always agree with. So – and honestly, too, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they picked up his option. I mean, his option, granted, it, it's it's a little bit, but again, it's a one year contract. It's a, you know, it's still less than the qualifying offer. So um, you're not going to get anything out of him if you let him just walk. You're not going to get a draft pick. You're not going to get any of that stuff. So if you pick it up, you can have that open competition for in spring training and say, okay, just say best man gets it. And then if if Cole doesn't get it, if Cole um, you know, doesn't win it because you know. For all we know, Joe could not be ready by this time, by next year, by the uh, camp break. Something happens or whatever, and you're going to need that extra uh, outfielder. And then if Joe is ready, then you can trade him or try to get something for him. Because right now, if you just let him walk as it is right now, you're not getting anything for him. Because like I said, the qualifying offer is actually like three million more than what he's going to make next year. So you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't throw that tag on him. So maybe they 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 pick him up. They use him for two, three months, and then they flip them for a minor league, um, whatever, second baseman, third baseman, whatever, because that's still more they would get they would get for him than if they just let him walk at the end of the season. Or do you think they let Cole Calhoun walk and they use Brian Goodwin as uh, a stopgap until you do bring up Joe Adele like they did with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., where he didn't come up until like the first week of May, obviously for the team control aspect. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's definitely a, an option. I just think if you're seriously about, and again, too, the Angels probably have a window, a timetable that they feel that they want to hit, um, you know, but I, I honestly think Brian Goodwin is, isn't as good of an outfielder as Cole. I think Cole's better than him. So if you're going to be serious about, like, competing and, and putting the best team out there, I think you probably would have to pick up Cole. And then, yeah, like I said, and when if Joe's ready, then you flip Cole, and then Brian's a great fourth outfielder. I don't think Brian's is a is an outfielder that you can put out there for long periods of time and, and get production. Like I think he, he showed a little bit of it this year, but I just think over the long long haul, I don't think he's that player. I think he kind of performed um, above his average. You mean will. like he played over his head? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's great to see him out there. I think he helped himself in that aspect. You know, he, I mean. 
for a guy that just got claimed off of waivers, he's looking for a job, looking for a long, steady job. And I think he's got that with the Angels being a fourth outfielder. But I don't think, you know, he's the Angels' answer to um, right field if they do let Cole walk. All right, guys. Got to move on here. Got to get to over here to Jeff Carr. Before we do, hey, we're looking for sponsors. If you are interested in advertising with us, reach out to us at talkinghillsgmail.com if you like what we're doing. And we want to keep the lights on. I think you know, John is in a shed somewhere, no lights on. Nick's kind of hiding, and I'm in, I'm in my own back cave now. Help us out here, okay? <laughs> and at 657-666-5453 if you want to leave a voicemail or, again, email us at talkinghillsgmail.com. And we'll get right to it here. It's our interview with Jeff Carr for Locked On Reds. All right, folks, this is Derek C. Paul here with Nick Kearns talking to Jeff Carr from Locked On Reds. A month a month or so ago, everything was looking nice and good for the Angels. They they sweep the Reds, and now here we are a week after um, everything hit the fan for the Angels, and the Reds are looking all right. Jeff, welcome to the show again. We're glad to talk to you. How you doing? Derek, it's very nice to be on and talk with you and Nick tonight. Uh, Got to admit, I mean, the, the Reds are hanging around, but uh, I I am very surprised by what's been going on with the Angels because Lord knows they kicked the crap out of the Reds about a month ago. Yeah. I mean, it, it was one of the last ones we had prior to Tyler passing away, and I think that changed everything. Yeah, I was, I was really sorry to hear about that. I mean, that's... I don't know. Don't know too much to say about that. It's just a that's a tragedy. And I know uh, David Hernandez on the Reds was a very close friend of his, and he was very affected by that. And just a that's a just a heartbreaking thing. So, well, you know, to get into the actual series itself, you know, just to not try and dwell on some of the things that are kind of hurting our team right now. But um, Trevor Bauer, what the heck, man? Why? Explain this to us because on the outside, I see this. There's no way Bauer is staying in Cincinnati. I mean, no offense to Cincinnati, but there's no way he's staying, but maybe not. What's up with this trade? Well, and, and it's funny because it went down Tuesday night, the night before the deadline, and that was just an absolute when, – when people – when Reds fans look back on 2019 – Tuesday, July 30th will be a banner day and maybe not necessarily for the best of reasons. Like we'll look back and we'll say, Hey, that's when they got Trevor Bauer. But we'll also look back and say, that's when Amir Garrett stormed the pirates dugout and tried to fight everybody. (laughs) And it was, I mean, it was entertaining, but at the same time, like the Reds got crushed that night. Like I was sitting there just watching, like trying to process everything. It was crazy. But then they pull this deal off and, um, I forget. I think it was Jeff Passan that said it on Twitter. He's just like, what a weird year in a year where largely the Dodgers stand pat. They don't go crazy and make a huge deal. The Yankees don't make a huge deal, anything like that. But then you've got the Mets going after Marcus Stroman and the Reds getting Trevor Bauer, two guys to figure have gone to far more entrenched contenders. And with the Reds getting Trevor Bauer, my big thing with that, as a Reds fan, I'm largely, I I love the deal. Not necessarily because I was happy to see Puig go. I love Puig. 
everything he did for the you know four months or whatever that he was in a Reds uniform was amazing, and I loved him, and I wish they could have kept him forever. But at the same token, he was going to become a free agent. He had said over and over he wants to be a free agent, so the Reds were going to have to basically – throw a ton of money at him that they didn't really need to do. So I'm okay with the fact that that didn't happen. Moreover, I'm glad that they got somebody for him. And I view him in the lens of almost, I'm not saying he is like Scott Rowland, but back in 2009, the Reds got Scott Rowland for Edwin Encarnacion. Now, right now, that deal sounds pretty crappy because you think about Scott Rowland was on the twilight of his career on the downslope and Edwin Encarnacion has been a pretty good major league baseball player since then, but he brought playoffs to Cincinnati. He, he made contender. He, he was kind of the linchpin in contending teams. And that's the way that the Reds community is looking at Trevor Bauer. The front office is saying we are ready to go for it now. Uh, maybe, I, I, Maybe not necessarily right this season, but definitely next season. They, they've made 2020 a kind of playoff or bust scenario. Yeah, I, I actually like the trade that you guys got, uh, Trevor Bauer. Um, I was never a big Puig fan personally, so I think you guys won on that end of the deal. Um, what was your view on the trade for get, trading for Puig from the, when you guys gave up prospects for him? Do you guys feel that now – that you got Trevor Bauer that you actually won in that, that trade with the Dodgers. The, the funny thing is um, I, I'll definitely, when I put Trevor Bauer in there, I definitely agree that the Reds really took the cake in that deal. And there's been talk about the prospects that the Reds have sent are really flourishing in the Dodgers system. And that's going to happen. You, you've got to, leverage the future of a prospect against the immediacy of who you're getting back. And really what happened in that deal with the Reds and the Dodgers was the Reds were trading those prospects, not necessarily. I mean, it was great that we got back Puig, Wood, uh, Farmer, and the three days or whatever that we got of Matt Kemp. Um, But at the same time, we were getting rid of Homer Bailey. There was many, many reports that if the Reds could not trade Homer Bailey, they were just going to sign him a check and say, see you later. So the fact that they got living, breathing baseball players for human for Homer Bailey is just awesome. And then on the flip side, you turn part of that deal around and you get Trevor Bauer out of it. Just I loved it. And there's been some people that are just like, well, we want those prospects back, like some Reds fans that love prospects and stuff. And I'm just like, Look, I make that deal with the Dodgers every day out of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, but, I mean, Bowers got a bad rep, man. He's got all kinds of issues coming in with him from from Cleveland. He's notorious to talk about only signing one-year contracts. Cincinnati is not known as a place where pitchers will want to stay. What makes you think that this is going to work out in the long term for you? The one thing – and I say all of this with Trevor Bauer, almost in the guise of we'll take a look at this deal at the end of 2020. But if the Reds make the playoffs next year, this deal's a phenomenal hit. I don't expect Bauer to stay in Cincinnati past 2020, which is interesting to say that the Reds traded their top prospect and Taylor Tremelli sent him to the Padres in that deal to get basically a year and two months of Trevor Bauer. 
and with his personality stuff, and I'll mention that here in a minute, but with him staying past 2020, I'm, I'm looking for 2020 to be the year, not necessarily that they're going to go and just win the World Series. Like That's a little short-sighted to say, but where, where the Reds have been the last four years leading up to 2019, they lost 90-plus games in all four of those years. Now they're flirting with 500 this season. Next season's going to be looked at as let's make it to the playoffs. And if they make it to the playoffs, heck, especially if they win that first playoff series, then there's going to be so many people just forget about the crud that we as fans have had gone through for like the last five years. And if Trevor Bauer is able to bring that, be a big part of that next season, then if he ends up making good on his claim that he's only going to sign one-year deals from here on out, and he goes, you know, to whoever, you know, if he goes to New York or whatever after 2020, then we will say, you know what, shake your hand, man. We're, we're all right with that. Maybe we even get a good compensation pick in return. Now, as far as his personality goes, it's interesting because I was reading up on a lot of his stuff, and, and his off-the-field stuff – especially with the Twitter thing and all that was kind of concerning. But as a fan, I had to think of it this way. If I, and sadly, I'm also a Bengals fan. Um, if I, as a, I am sorry, man. Sorry, sorry for <laughs> that. It, it, I'm telling you, it's like a, a monkey on my back that I just can't get. I don't know why I, I've stayed a Bengals fan my entire life and I don't think I'll ever change, but, and, that's like the saddest thing anyone said today. But uh, I, I thought of it this way. If I can root for Joe Mixon, if I can say, you know what, what he's done is in the past. Hopefully he's a better person now. And I pull for him on my team. I can pull for Trevor Bauer. And I've got, you know, as far as what he's done off the field, it kind of sucks. But then also there's the other stuff where people are like, well, he's a really individualistic guy. He's a really opinionated guy, and he stands by by his opinions. And I'm like, man, I mean, some people are just that way. You're going to get those guys who speak coach speak and speak player speak and never give you an actual answer. And then you'll have those guys that give you a thoughtful answer. And maybe you don't like what they're saying, but they're at least not giving you the same robotic stuff. So I, I take all that with a grain of salt, and I'm – fully uh i'm not i'm you know go get me a jersey or something like a 27 jersey uh maybe for next year who knows so uh my question is uh do the do the res view themselves as as still in contention for a wild card in the national league i think i think as far as in their clubhouse they do and you want that as a fan, you want your guys to feel like they're never out of it. And right now, as of today, the Nationals, uh, I think, just lost a few hours ago. So that puts the Reds within five and a half games, which sounds phenomenal to me. I mean, at this point, the last four years, they might as well have been mathematically eliminated already. We didn't think they were even close. Now they're five and a half games out. I think Fangraphs has them at like a 4% chance to make the playoffs. So if we're being realistic, they're probably not going to make it. But as far as players and coaches go, they're like, Dude, we're right there, man. Like, I, I heard an interview with uh, Jesse Winker the other day. And Jesse Winker, and this was like a week ago or so, and he's like, well, we're six games out. So, okay, so we make up three games in August and we make up three games in September. Hey, we're right there. And it's like, boy, well, you put it that way. Sure, yeah. But 
there's just so many teams in between them and that second wild card. I think most fans understand that if they make the playoffs, it's going to be an absolute crazy surprise on the level of someone wrote this like it was a movie or something. But most of us are kind of looking at just make it around 500 for the year and we're going to be happy. All right, so lay this off for me now. I was moving into the actual series itself, a short series. Last time you saw us, it was the Angels just shutting down the Reds lineup. Now things are a bit different. It's different for the Angels for many, many, many reasons. How did the Reds match up at home against these visiting Angels? I'm interested to see um, particularly one guy that the Reds have playing who wasn't playing in that series. They just called him up from AAA back last Friday. He's this guy, and you'll hear his name, and you won't forget it because it's a really cool name. His name is Aristides Aquino, and he plays right field. He's a tall guy, six foot four, and he hit his first major league home run on Saturday off of Dallas Keuchel. It was a three-run home run that tied the game at the time. It was phenomenal. I loved every bit of it. But he is a very athletic, very lengthy dude. And to see what kind of impact he has on this series, I'm very interested because so far he is the guy that has filled Puig's spot after Puig was traded. Uh, There's a couple other guys that are coming on a little bit better. You've got um, Jesse Winker's really come on here late. Now Eugenio Suarez has kind of evened out his average. So I think on the batting side, uh, it might be a little bit more level because they were going through a heck of a slump back when they were in Los Angeles and Los Angeles just continued to feast on that and killed them. Uh, And I'm looking at our pitching matchups. I know that uh, Castillo's pitching tomorrow. I'm trying to see if he pitched in that series back in May or back in June. I don't think, I don't believe he did, but you know, he, he's going to pitch tomorrow. So everyone uh, here in Cincinnati is just like treating this as a must watch just to see Castillo go up against Trout. But on the other end of the spectrum, it's like, man, what are we going to get? We thought uh, the Reds lineup was going to break out, break out, break out. And they just haven't done that. They've been a three to four. If they really want to get crazy, they'll score five or six in a game. Well, Jeff, to be honest, the Angels are lucky to score too. So that shouldn't be too bad. (laughs) Well, well, then he's not kidding right now. Maybe that help, that helps favor us because what was it? Was it five? Did you guys score? Did the Angels score ten runs in those games? I believe we did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. It wasn't yeah, five, a horribly big out. I mean, you talking about the Indian series or the Red series? Well, the Angels, the Indian series, the Indian series, oh, we were likely to score two. But I believe when we played the Reds, we did score 10, 10 runs. And we had a really good offense then. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mike Trout and I believe Otani and all of them had a had a pretty good series. And well, for the last ten days, we haven't really done much of anything. Well, and to be fair to the Angels, I mean, you had Baker Mayfield shotgun and beers with that really weird mustache <laughs> that he's grown. So I, <laughs> I was there for that man. It was great. <laughs> oh, he's he's hilarious. But yeah, I. Um, I'm very interested to see how this goes because it just it looked like night and day whenever I mean night versus day whenever the Reds and Angels played the last time. So I don't know if things have changed or if maybe the Reds are the the get right vessel for the Angels. 
Well, the last years we had. Well, the last years There's we had the Dark Knight. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Too soon. Too soon. I did. I did see about that, and, and, and I don't. I I was re- pulling for him. I I was kind of hoping he would continue his resurgence. I was bummed to see that that didn't happen, though. All right. Well, Jeff, do you want to go ahead and take a shot at making a prediction here or not? I tell you, I don't think that the Reds will take both games. It's just one of those things that if they play an even number of games, seriously, they play two game series or four game series, which randomly they've had a lot of two game series this year. I don't know what's up with that, but it seems like they split like they just split a four game series in Atlanta. Um, So I'm going to say it goes one and one. I bet the Reds, well, I don't bet. I don't, I'm terrible at betting. So I think the Reds win Monday night, and I think the Angels will win on Tuesday. All right. Hey, hey Jeff, I got one quick question. It's sure. a little bit off subject. How is how is Hunter Green doing in the minor leagues for you guys? He was your number one overall pick in 2017, a local product from, uh, I believe it was Harvard Westlake, was supposed to go to UCLA, but obviously the Reds offered him like $7 bucks to – yeah, he um I, I tell you he's recovering from Tommy John right now. I think he he had that surgery. It was late last season. And so I don't know that he's gonna get back on a mound this year. There there's talk that he'll be back on the mound next season, but I think his ETA is still somewhere around two thousand twenty one. And given given the conservativeness they're probably going to handle him once he comes back, may even be 2022 before we see him, which is fine. He's still a young kid. You know, they got him out of high school, kind of like you mentioned. They plucked him away from college. But at the same token, that's what's always tough about the MLB draft is when you pick a guy that as soon as you make that draft pick, people are like, oh, this is franchise changing. This is, this is going to – change the course of the Reds. Well, yeah, but not for like five or six years. But hold on. Hold on. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. It's 2019. Are you guys talking this guy might be out for almost three years? They, the thing is, he got Tommy John whenever he was in low A. He's, he hadn't made it to double A yet or anything like that. So there's talk that once he comes back next year, he's not even going to start in double A. He's going to start in high A. So he's still... Unless he just sets the world on fire, they're probably going to be conservative with him. So you were giving me an ETF when you think he might get to the majors. Yeah. yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, one quick question. How was he before he got injured, though? That's, he that's started out slow, but he did pick up a little bit. Uh, had a couple of dominant months before the injury. He was really locating his fastball well and starting to dominate low A. But his first handful of starts were concerning only because he was just very wild. Couldn't quite keep it in the strike zone. And he finally learned how to do all that right before everything hit the fan. All right, Jeff. Thanks so much for taking time with us today. We we really appreciate it, especially with all the technical problems that we had. Can you let people know where they can find you? Derek, Nick, I appreciate being on with you guys. Uh, You can check out the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, Monday through Friday, through all of the major podcasting platforms. I think pretty much the only one that it's not on is like iHeart, the iHeart Radio app. But like you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, 
I think I saw it on Podbean. Uh, and there's also this other, this new podcasting app called the Himalaya Podcasting App. Just like the Mountains Himalaya, uh, you can find it there. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Nice talking hey, to you. Hey, nice talking to you guys, too. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. I got to ask y'all. I'll start with Nick, and then I'll go on over to Dan. How do you see this series going? Nick? Uh, for me, I with the, uh, with the upcoming Red Series, I think we split. Um, I don't think we, we get swept. I hope not. Um, I don't know how they're going to get this win with the pitching staff, but I, I hope that Trout can just carry us over to get us at least one win. Um, at this point, it wouldn't make a difference if we swept them. We're probably not making the playoffs regardless, which is sad. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I kind of ag- agree. Just the fact that you know tomorrow is supposed to be, or, or yeah, Monday is supposed to be Patrick Sandoval's uh, debut with the team, and I just, I, I'm not saying that he can't do it. I just, I, I'm one of those guys that like I want to see it happen before it does. And then you have Suarez pick, uh, pitching Tuesday, which I guess would be our best chance. But even then, he's been inconsistent at best. So um, I, I, if you had, tell me how to pick one game, I think you're going to split. And I think they'll pick up the Tuesday game because I'm just not sure what you're going to get out of uh, Patrick Sandoval that, that was, you know, this time last year, just barely getting called up to double A um, after, uh, you know, uh, uh, about a month or so with uh, Inland Empire 66 or so. Um, I say a split, and I probably say the split probably happens with a win on Tuesday. I mean, the Reds are carting out Luis Castillo tomorrow. He's four, two, six, three ERA. Uh, yeah, you know that's he's on fire. Least team wins. It's going to be a tough one. To me, the pitching matchups. I'm guessing the entire rest of the year are not going to favor the Angels. It's going to be a question if if the lamp can wake up and get to their guys and. I have my doubts right now. It's it's a hitter's ballpark in Cincinnati. I've been there many times, and I can tell you that if the right team gets hot, it can be a lot of fun. But at this point, I I think the Reds will probably sweep this. I, I hate to be the the uh, the sarcastic guy or the pessimistic guy. I don't like the matchups right now. I don't like the way the Angels looked on the field. I, I saw it live this weekend, unfortunately, and. Um, they're out of it right now. There's just no other way around it. I, I, I unfortunately kind of do agree with you, Derek. My question for you, Daniel, is with Patrick Sandoval, where would you rank him with Canning, Berea, Suarez, all the young pitchers we got, Tropiano? Where do you rank him? Like, is he second, third, fourth? Is he a guy who's going to be around for many years to come, or is he kind of going to maybe be here for a year or two and then like a, or like a Patrick Bird, Birdwell where he was here for a year or so and then he was gone? You know, Canning, I think as far as you look at the young pitching talent, Canning is head and shoulders above anyone else that would that the Angels have as far as um, young talent, um, Suarez and Brea included. Like, I think Suarez and Brea both have really good um, potential, but they just seem very in, uh, not able to consistently find a strike zone, and that, that honestly puts them in a, in a bad situation almost every time out. You see that with their pitch counts being super high in, like, the fifth inning. Um, you know, but for Patrick Sandoval, I haven't really seen enough of him. I've heard good things, um, you know, but I, I, it's early to tell. And if I don't know if you guys remember, but the last um, spring training game again when they were in LA, uh, Sandoval 
started that game and he got absolutely rocked. So uh, it'll be interesting to see his development from that point, you know, being a spring training game, the last one, but being in Dodger Stadium under the big crowd. And then now I'm sure he's gotten better, but I just think he's probably, um, you know, right below the Suarez's and the Berea's, but, but, you know, we'll have to see as far as potential wise, if he could grow more like, you know, people are expecting Suarez and Bray to do, but Canning, I think, as far as the young pitches the Angels have, are head and shoulders above those other guys. So um, it'd be like Canning one, and then maybe a gap between two and three, and then uh, Brea, uh, Suarez, and then uh, Sandoval. All right. So Dan, can you let people know where they can find you, the podcast, and all that jazz? Yeah. So, like you said, I am uh, half of the All Angels podcast, and you can find that. You know. Um, Pretty much anywhere you find this podcast, we're on Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, whatever they call it nowadays. Um, we are on uh, iHeartRadio. So, yeah, pretty much anywhere you, uh, you find podcasts, we're there. Um, we have our like our fan page. We have a fan page on Instagram and on Twitter. That's Halo underscore Haven. That's where we will uh, post most of the stuff about the podcast. Uh, you know, when we get interviews with players, we will post a lot of stuff there. Um, we're lucky enough to have a really good relationship with that alien empire 66 or so, uh, we are down there quite a bit. And then when someone rehabs, we usually get an interview with the, with the player. So, um, if you guys don't follow us there, follow us on Instagram, all our previous interviews with, uh, Middleton and Lucroy and, um, uh, JC, when he was down there, all posted up there. So check it out. But yeah, definitely uh, follow us on halo underscore Haven on both on our Twitter and, and our, uh, Instagram. All right, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos. If you're looking for us on Facebook, we actually now have the Facebook page, Talking Halos. And unbelievably, due to demand, we actually have a group as well, the Talking Halos group. We kept it simple. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Nick Kearns on Facebook, harassing people in Halos Nation, among other places. <laughs> look him up. But don't forget us on Spreaker, Apple Music. You name it, we're there, Spotify. You'll find us everywhere. So for Nick, for Dan, and the entire team here at Talking Halos, it's Derek C. Paul saying take it easy and have a great one. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.